This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. first step is always just to go through the data and start googling people's names and like see exactly who they are and like what they do and like if there's a common thread between like the top 100 people who use your product um and then it's also just getting on the phone with people and just being like hey like i'm calling from xx like i would love to know how you like using our platform like we've seen you've used it for the past six months and like recently you started using it last like why is that this was Catherine Dockery of Vice Ventures. From Walmart to Bonobos to running a VC firm that famed investor and Netscape co-founder Mark Andreessen invested in that solely funds Vice Ventures. So any startup others are advised not to invest in, many are even prohibited from investing in. We're talking about gambling, alcohol, sex, cannabis, nicotine, etc., etc. So not much more needs to be said about my next guest, who could not come on in a more timely manner than during this economic downturn where most brands suffer, but her portfolio will strive. Get ready for some super fast talking and a very authentic, hilarious, educating, and at one time even shocking episode. One you should not skip. But before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to all of you from across the globe who joined the Hitting the Mark circle in the past weeks via patreon.com slash hitting the mark for my monthly advisory and mentorship calls, which are now completely free for anyone to join to ease the pain during this pandemic. And here they are. Anastasia Gudakova, Adia Denais, Ben Fabian, Chrisandra Shunbi, Hernan Brabaman, Jackie Brown, Jude Ankra, Miriam Walzer, Natalia, Nadi Brondani, Onomete, and Sam Ochoa. Phew! Thank you all, and sorry for butchering many of your names, which won't happen once I get to know you better. So I hope to see many more of my listeners join in by going to patreon.com slash hitting the mark. And now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Catherine. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, absolutely. So you're in your late 20s. Um, you did your time on the M&A team at Walmart, as well as worked for the founder of Bonobos. And you now run a VC firm that invests in all the things normal VCs not only not invest in, but are usually advised to never, ever invest in. Um, your firm is called Vice Ventures, and vice meaning immoral or wicked behavior. This includes anything from alcohol to drugs, gambling, sex, you name it. All the things that VCs stay away from. And they actually even have a vice clause in many VC firms, which inhibits the majority of them to invest in otherwise highly lucrative industries like edibles and esports, which is kind of crazy. And it's a crazy good market if someone is smart and bold enough to step into it. And that is exactly 
what you have done on your website, your one-liner, and that's pretty much all there is on the website. <laughs> it reads, um, it reads, Vice Ventures is a seed stage venture capital fund conquering stigmas and striving towards superior returns by investing in good companies operating in bad industries. I absolutely love that. How did Vice Ventures start out and, and how difficult was it to get the initial fund for Vice Ventures established? Yeah, so about two and a half years ago now, I guess, I invested in a canned wine business with the last of my Wall Street bonus um, when I was working for Andy. Then flash forward, I followed Andy to Walmart after the acquisition on the digitally native vertical brands. I'm an A-team there. Um, some people absolutely love working at Walmart um, in M&A, and I was not one of those people. <laughs> so kind of early on, I told Andy that I wanted to leave and I wanted to work in venture. He was extremely supportive of it. I interviewed at a ton of consumer venture firms just because I knew all these firms from managing Andy's portfolio. And they all asked me to pitch a business. Um, so I pitched Bev, which is the direct-to-consumer, uh, now omni-channel, um, canned wine business that I invested in early on that Founders Fund recently came in for. And at the time, all these fund managers were like, you know, Catherine, we love the founder, we love the brand, we love her strategy, we just can't get involved because we just can't invest in alcohol. And that to me was just unbelievably shocking that this whole category um, of investment, like people just couldn't touch, even though spirits have exits every few months, beer had a great run of mm -hmm. um high multi-revenue exits and it, I just couldn't believe that they weren't allowed to invest in it. And then upon further investigation, I learned about the vice clause, which exists in most, I would argue, of uh, seed stage series A consumer funds, meaning that they can't invest in alcohol, cannabis, nicotine, sex tech, online gambling, psilocybin, ketamine, like you name it. Hmm. Um, they're barred from those investments. So that's basically how it came up with the idea for the fund. Um, it, the thesis proved true when I met the founder of Recess, which is a CBD sparkling water. Um, I was one of the first people to invest in him. We had one meeting. I thought the brand was brilliant. I thought Ben Woody, the founder, um, had really something special about him. Um, so I committed on the spot. I raised a pretty big SPV, begging people to invest in me. I had some people who were like, we're only investing because we, we believe in you, like not because we believe in recess. Like hmm. I was like, whatever, like that's totally fine with me. Like, <laughs> Take your money. It's um, all good. Yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> um, so then that took off and that kind of proved that this is true because a lot of big funds loved um, the branding as well and like love the founder but couldn't get involved because they had this vice clause um, because full spectrum hemp has 0.3% THC. And you got uh, you got Mark Andreessen, one of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, to invest fairly early on in your fund, right? How did you pull yeah. that off? Like, how, how how does a conversation like that go about, especially in the beginning, where you know you weren't in the press and people didn't quite know? Um, how did you how did you a approach him? How did you even get a meeting with him? And and what did he say after you told him what's you know what's going on? <laughs> it's so funny, yeah. So I have a pretty incredible lawyer, meaning that he's like more of a partner for the space 
hunters and he is just legal advice and he was like look Catherine, like you don't have the money to pay for this if you don't soft circle cash beforehand for the docs he's like you need to find people who want to invest before we spend i don't know like 60 to hundred thousand dollars like incorporating a fund mm-hmm. so i was like okay fine um so he like goes off on maternity leave and i'm like thinking of like who invests in funds like i have absolutely no idea like i don't come from money um and then i was like who is the richest person i have the email of <laughs> and that was martin drazen <laughs> so i just cold emailed Mark and drazen with this deck that I, like three other people had seen before um and i was like he's probably not gonna respond like whatever like at least i tried right and then i woke up in the middle of the night like at two in the morning just a bolt upright awake which is like really rare for me i'm a very good sleeper and i checked my email and he responded and i I screamed i started crying i could not believe it (laughs) my husband was like what is going on (laughs) it's two in the morning (laughs) um it was just like such a pivotal moment for me and he was like i love what you're doing like is january too late because it's December. Um, and I was like, absolutely not. Hmm. So I flew out to San Francisco. I had no money. I slept in the shittiest Airbnb of all time. <laughs> that was bunk beds and like a ton of engineers that like wanted maybe one day start a business. Um, it was so gross. And <laughs> I went to his office. I like got there 45 minutes early because I was like terrified of being late. <laughs> <laughs> and I had nowhere to go because I didn't want to go in. So I just like <laughs> waited in this park area. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Um, on the phone with my lawyer who like was in shock that like anybody was paying attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and then the meeting went really well. Uh, Mark is, I mean, lives up to the hype. He's a complete genius. He asked mm. me like highly intelligent questions. He got the concept very quickly um, and he committed. It was awesome. Wow, that's I'm very lucky. That is pretty amazing. And so, so to date, I mean, this is this is how long ago? Like a year and a half, two years? Not that long ago, right? Yeah, so it was uh, 2019 January. Okay, yeah, good. So you're you're a year plus in. Um, what are, what are some of the big investments? Um, and and what type of companies are there? Would we would we know any of them? Or um, you know. And, and any any background on some of the companies you invested in would be awesome. Yeah, so we recently announced a, a sizable investment in a company called Lucy. And Lucy is founded by some of the Soylent founders. It's a nicotine gum and lozenger business. And the thesis is basically that e-cigarettes has helped create a whole new generation of smokers or vapors, and 90% of people who try to stop smoking or vaping fail to do so. Um, so basically, Lucy is coming in and reducing the harm of vaping and smoking by having very flavorful gums and lozenges. That's so super that, cool. It's you- brilliant. I'm obsessed with the founders. I'm obsessed with the idea. Um, I talk to them weekly. I love them very, very much. Um, I, so that's one, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no. So sorry to interrupt, but um, I, I was actually on the Lucy side um, last night to prep for the podcast, and I mean, what a what a cool. I, I mean, not only a great idea, right? But what a really really well executed uh, brand. And you know, one of the things that that they state on the side is "come for the nicotine, stay for the breath of fresh air." Um, I mean, branding must have been such a crucial 
element, the way they decide the structure, the brand tonality, and just overall, it's really smart and right on the money. How far along were they with the messaging and branding when you invested in them? So I met them about three years ago, um, before I had the CSIS, before uh, I was still working for Andy. I loved the founder or the CEO. There's three founders. Um, we hopped on the call. We just spoke probably for over an hour. It was scheduled to be 30 minutes. Um, we just got along so well. It was wild. And I just like immediately understood like what he was doing and why he was doing it. And he was raising a seed round at the time. Um, but I didn't have a fund and like, I didn't really have any money because I invested in Bev already. Um, so then he came to New York with one of their designers, Julio. And we ended up having like a two and a half hour breakfast. It was an absolute blast. I immediately recognized and like saw like how intelligent this team was. Um, and I stayed really, really close with them because I knew that I wanted to be involved in the series A in a big way. And at that at that point, um, the brand was already pretty developed, right? Or did it did it change a lot? And and how hands on are you with that? I mean, I I I heard in one of your um, one of your interviews that you you like to be you know you you like to have that advisor and 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 mentor role as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely end up being that role for a lot of my founders. Um, one of my founders recently like went through a breakup and called me every day for three and a half weeks <laughs> at like two in the morning, <laughs> which is fine. My husband's the same. He's so patient. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I take those calls because like I've built something and like, I know how difficult and how stressful it is to build something from scratch and just to have somebody who both invested in you and like believes in you. I have one LP like that who he's, I'm so incredibly lucky that he invested in me because he helps with my portfolio companies. He will give me a second eye on businesses. Mm -hmm. He helps with the operations of the fund. Like, and just because he like loves the thesis and loves kind of like the movement that we're trying to start. So it's Vice Ventures is it's a really strong community. What are what are some other um, startups? I interrupted you before because I got too excited about Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy is definitely one to be excited about. Right, right. Um, any any other ones? You you did you did invest in Mod recently, right? Yes, another founder is very dear to my heart. Um, I invested in her because I thought the brand was extremely strong in the sense that it was very clean and it wasn't very kitschy or really girly or. Um, it, it was a very like, gender neutral intimacy business and they sell vibrators, condoms, lubricants, bath salts, candles. Um, they're actually in J crew right now, which is awesome. Oh wow. They're in, like, yeah, they're in like a ton of stores, uh, like on the pop stores and like all throughout the Northeast. Um, yeah, and they're doing very, very well. Well, and with 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 Mod, I mean, Mod looks more like West Elm on steroids than having anything to do with <laughs> sex, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's beautiful. And, and you discussed, I think it was on the podcast with Chase, and you discussed how um, you know how obviously, pretty obviously, companies that are in the business of sex cannot advertise on Google, Facebook, etc., right? But yeah. Mod was so smart that they 
created ads in the beginning for the beautiful looking massage candle, which is just a beautiful looking candle. Um, and that's how they lured people through these ads onto their site. And I just think that's so whip smart. Um, I guess, no pun intended, yeah. but, but with, with, yeah. with, with, with the startups um, you advise and, and invest in, um, do most of these, you know, advertising, marketing, those branding ideas come from the founders themselves or through the help of external agencies or consultants? Um, it really depends on the business. So I have an advisor for Vice Ventures, um, Casa Demagos, who runs an agency called Virtually Real. So they did a lot of work with Recess, which is how I met him. Um, so he also like kind of like works with a lot of my founders um, and helps them like think about branding, helps them think about messaging, um, packaging, how, like website help. He recently wrote about to get a new website. He did our website and it looks amazing. Um, yeah, so like a lot of the companies in the portfolio use Costa. So when you work with startups, when do you advise them to invest in branding? Uh, does, does it vary by focus? Um, because you, you mentioned your Vice Ventures website. Um, it, 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 it is pretty anti-brand though, your website, right? It's literally a splash page. Um, it's a beautiful splash page with the perfect messaging, right? But, uh, or did it change? Have I been on the wrong side? Um, and, you know, it's about to be a lot more robust. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, but when you run a one-person fund and you have seven portfolio companies, um, you kind of, like, have pr a priorities list, and the website for me, like, does the job, so, like, I haven't really bothered to change it. Um, but for a lot of my portfolio companies, I mean, it's super important because it's vice because a lot of them can't advertise through traditional channels. It's really important that they, they have strong branding and really good PR. I would argue. So you advise them pretty early on to invest in branding and get their story right and ensure that they understand the customer and the messaging, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, but what's funny about a lot of these vice products is that, like take a recess, for example, it's the first time in the history of the world that there's been the CB sparkling water. So, and it's rapidly growing. It's like they have huge orders online in the Midwest and, it's really interesting to think like who that customer is and how that customer is consistently changing as the brand gets bigger and bigger. Right, because in the beginning, it's not a customer that exists yet, right? And that's and that's what's yeah. what's so interesting is defining someone out of out of nowhere and just is it. I mean, you must be doing. I mean, not you, right? But but uh, um, the founders the founders of a company like that must be doing tons of tons of A/B tests and data must be super important, right? Even though in the beginning, it's most probably you know a lot of gut instinct. Totally, hundred yeah. percent. Um, have, have you invested in any psychedelic startups? Um, the reason why I asked, there is a mesmerizing article in the March edition of Forbes magazine, and I couldn't even believe it. I think it's like 12 pages in Forbes <laughs> that goes deep wow. into that subject and how it, it discusses how many bet on uh, psilocybin being the next big thing to cure PTSD and psilocybin, of course, being the psychoactive component of magic mushrooms. Um, it's a fascinating space that is currently being quite the hype. And from what I have read, rightfully so. Have you have you touched any of that? Um, no, I haven't. Just because the horizon of my fund is ten years, and I think a lot of these companies who are going through FDA process to be approved, I think their return portfolio is probably a little more than ten years. Um, so I think it's a bit early for venture funds, uh, unless you're a family office and you can, of course, wait twenty years for a return. 
I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but are you are you interested in that kind of that kind of company? Like, how how do you see that? Did you did you read up about it at all? Is that something that's on your horizon? Yeah, I mean, I've seen. I see anywhere between like 80 and 200 businesses a week internationally. Oh, wow. Um, so I've seen a ton, a ton of psilocybin businesses, whether they're in the US, they're in Amsterdam, they're in Canada. Like, I, I just think it's too early for mm -hmm. vice ventures to be involved in that yet. Because we, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a background in being a doctor. I can understand the FDA. I can understand the research. Um, papers that have been done on it but at the end of the day like i can't make the best call on whether a psychedelic business is better than a different psychedelic business like right. for branding at least like i i feel like i've had that background like i worked for a founder who invested in incredible brands um and created an incredible brand so i kind of know what building that business kind of looks like but when it comes to like for example a tie which is an incredible um psilocybin business they just passed to be process of the fda and that is meaningless to me like <laughs> like i can research it again but i'm not the best person to make a judgment call on that yeah no no totally so out of those um 100 plus companies that come across your 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 desk um i guess your email um on a on a weekly basis How do you how do you how do you judge which ones you you read which ones you open which ones you actually have a meeting with how do how is your process I mean you get you get inundated with that yeah I do um, the first thing I look for is brands so we don't invest in extraction businesses and growth facilities and canning companies like packaging companies like we are strictly pretty much brand investors unless I mean the one exception I guess would be Players Lounge which is a platform for esports. But even then, like, they have a very strong brand for what they're doing. Um, yeah, so brand first. Um, then I'll take a screening call. I never meet with founders in person until I've had a screen. Um, and then the third one is meeting in person and kind of, like, vetting who they are as a human. Like, we try to invest only in, like, super intellectually honest people. Um, just because investing in vice, the regulations change constantly, the mm -hmm. compliance changes. Um, you really need somebody that has the intellectual honesty to know when they need help. Um, so that's something that's a character trait that I definitely really look for. Makes a lot of sense. And to make sure that they don't misspell your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's the first thing. I'm like, do you have attention to detail? <laughs> um, it's Catherine with an A. That's, uh, that's, that's, why we, that's why we have this little joke here. Um, what, <laughs> for, for those listeners who might not know, um, what, what does branding mean to you? I mean, you only invest in brands. You, you invest in brands that go totally against the grain. Often they create an entire niche uh, that doesn't exist anymore. They create a customer. Um, they have to tell stories in ways that have never really been told before. Um, and very often these, these, these startup brands actually have to um, completely reinvent themselves before they even, even launch because they need to be so different. What is, what is that, that nasty word branding, which so often gets, uh, gets a bad rap? Uh, what does branding mean to you on a day-to-day on -day basis as you work with these founders? Uh, so I'll give a great example of a brand that I um, fell in love with from day one, um, Recess. Just in the first uh, we had an hour conversation, he 
showed me the deck. He didn't have a can yet. He didn't have beverage or the product on him. Um, but the idea of recess and taking a recess and understanding that almost every American has that nostalgic feeling of being a child and like running around the playground, I was in immediately. I was like, this makes 100% sense. And another example is I invested in a CBD health and wellness business called uh, Plant People. Um, and a plant person, like, could you have a stronger brand for your CBD health and wellness? Like, <laughs> it's it's absolutely genius. And they have, and people are now buying like hats from them. They're buying totes, and it's like that's just proving that the brand is strong when you're buying the apparel as well as the actual products for sale. Totally. I, I had um, I had Michael Astoria of Ent Pizza. It's the Empercent Pizza uh, brand. <laughs> I had him on the podcast, and it was it was so fascinating to hear when he suddenly realized that some of his employees, um, you know, literally, you know, the guys that that are you know at the cashier's desk and flipping the pizzas and you know and, and putting the pies together, um, they, they started to actually tattoo the Empercent logo onto their skin, um, and not temporarily. So, <laughs> like literally, he suddenly saw employees of his with his brand mark literally marked on them um, and he started to realize that that the ampersand means so much to his employees because they feel like they get a second chance and for the first time they have a real job where it's like really exciting and they have great benefits and it's a team and the ampersand the stands for this is the beginning of something much bigger and I thought it was such a wonderful story because um Because how, how a brand name, like in the two cases that you, you just gave, or um, a brand mark can actually really stand for so much for so many people. And, it's, and, and, and it kind of like goes way outside what a brand thought it would do with it, um, which, is, which is super cool. Um, what, if, you, if, you would, if you would give, um, I would say, D2C companies, because um, that's, that's a lot of the companies, it seems that, that, that you're in the space of investing. Um, what, what is a brand advice that you give them? It, it sounds like with, with, you know, with names, um, you really are drawn to brands that are, that are, that are smart, that have um, very intelligent, intellectual, um, forward-thinking founders. Um, and so the name is kind of a representation of that. And it sounds like that's, you know, you put a lot of weight weight to that at least you know subliminally when you see it and you're like well this is really really smart but what, what is some advice that you would have for I mean I know you have tons of advice because you give advice 24-7 I guess like at two in the morning when, when a founder calls but what are some of the big brand lessons that you you feel like you learned or you know like like issues that you've seen that uh, you would love to have other startup founders overcome easier yes um The first thing I would say, I mean, I've sat down with uh, two of my founders and gone through this process, um, but it's to really understand who is buying or like wagering on your site or platform, um, because then you can kind of change the branding uh, to cater to your biggest customers. And I think that's a way to lock down your customers, attract their friends, um, And kind of become more of this, like a super sticky business just by changing the way that you're talking to the people who are using it. Um, I think that's really important. How do you, that made any sense at all. It, may, it makes lots of sense. How, how do they go about it, right? I mean, especially if you have very early stage startups and you say, hey, you really got to figure out who, how your customers, how, how do they then go about it? I mean, is it, is it you know, is it, is it, is it, is it an email outreach um, to, their, to their clients? Is it literally picking up the phone? Like, how do they get to, to, to know them and, and to understand them? Um, so I think it's a combination of all those things. 
the first step is always just to go through the data and start Googling people's names and like see exactly who they are and like what they do. And like, if there's a common thread between like the top 100 people who use your product. Um, and then it's also just getting on the phone with people and just being like, Hey, like I'm calling from XX. Like, I would love to know how you like using our platform. Like we've seen you've used it for the past six months. And like recently you started using it less. Like, why is that? Like, can I offer you 10% off or something Mm -hmm. for your time? Um, And I think talking to customers is really the best way to get feedback on what you're doing. Right. So you have to establish the data in the beginning when you, you know, when you don't really have it yet, you just have to do it manually with a spreadsheet, (laughs) which is, which is, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Which is kind of nice, uh, liberating to hear that that's, that that's how it's still done. Um, what's, what's next for vice vice ventures? What is, what is exciting you in the next couple of months? Because I don't want to look years because that's way too far ahead, (laughs) but in the next couple of months, um, I mean, we're still like heavily focused on harm reduction nicotine as a category that honestly I'm trying to coin. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, as I said, like 90% of people fail to stop smoking or vaping. And I think Lucy is definitely going to be a clear winner. But I think there's also a clear winners that just haven't been um, created yet or that I just haven't seen. And I think I'm very excited about that space. I'm also excited about cannabis brands um, in the longer term because I think that a lot of cannabis companies in California and throughout the country are raising at absurd valuations. And I, but I think a lot of them are going to run out of money and not going to be bailed out by a lot of their investors. So I think it'll be great deals to kind of scoop up, if I may say that myself, um, there. And then I'm also still fundraising. Um, so I'm meeting like super interesting people. I love fundraising. I think it's like such a privilege to be able to do it. Wow. That's shocking actually to hear (laughs) because most people hate it. it. Yeah. I know. I don't know why. I think people just have the wrong attitude about it. Like you literally get to interview people to see if they want to invest in the fund. You get to decide if they can invest in the fund or not. And you get to learn all about them because usually these people are like wildly successful and most of the time self-made. And it's like the coolest opportunity. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, it sounds like, and, and I mean, look, that's why, that's why it's, that's why, you know, someone like Mark Andreessen um, takes your, takes your calls <laughs> because you have that attitude, <laughs> right? You're actually excited about it. Um, so, so listen, this is interesting uh, about the CBD brands. Um, you know, I, I run a consultancy. We work with startups. Um, we, we create clarity and focus with them early on, um, very much like what you do in an advisory role. Um, and, during this entire hype uh, with CBD companies, I had so many inquiries of companies that wanted to work with me, and not a single one of them came through. They all end up being so stereotypically, sadly, you know, like slackers or something comes up, things don't, things don't go right. Um, it's just like, you know, the contract never comes together. There's this whole, like, stigma that that I, I really didn't think would still exist, but do you see any of that too? Or do you do you have such a, uh, such a strict... Uh, Catherine um, filter that those would never even make it up to your to your email list. <laughs> like stigma for just, just for, for for yeah for for the CBD industry. Um, I I have a really really hard time finding CBD company founders that are that are super smart that that are on it that are actually you know there there's I mean there's maybe one out of ten that contact me where I feel like okay they would actually be able to 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 do this. 
Yeah, I mean, I also kind of have a thesis that, like, the CBD companies that are going to win are the ones that already exist, just because it's getting so crowded. Um, so I kind of tend to not take meetings with CBD founders, to be honest. Yeah. Um, just because I think the fund is overexposed to CBD, but then also, like, I think plant people and recess are, like, are the winners, like, pretty clearly. Um, but I mean, I'm clearly really biased, <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I've seen CBD, like subscription boxes, which I think are ridiculous. Like I've seen, um, I've seen a ton of CBD, but I agree that like a lot of these operators aren't intellectually honest or like, inte- like they're just intelligent in general. What what is some of the most ridiculous vice vent, vice idea that came into your inbox in the last weeks? Oh <laughs> my you're god! Like, oh my god! This is I never gonna happen. <laughs> this is the craziest story. Um, <laughs> sex dolls are being sold in Japan that self lubricate, and the hair grows. So you like need to get they need to get like haircut. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, I didn't just hear that. <laughs> oh, it's crazy! Wild. And of course, I took the phone call because I was like, "I'm so curious. <laughs> I have so many questions. Like, I need to know." Like, <laughs> and it ended up being like over an hour, which is like very rare for me. Usually, I like always like cut my calls off at 30 minutes. Yeah. and I was like, "This is truly wild. Like, so wild." Wow! And clearly, um, clearly, you invested. <laughs> Oh my god! I did not invest. Um, I did not see an exit for it. Um, but was I absolutely captivated? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Totally. And I mean, isn't that isn't that part of the job that's so exciting that that you just see what could be next and what people are thinking about? And I mean, yeah. I mean, you must have such a good insight into the current site, guys, just by getting all this stuff into your inbox. Yeah. I mean, it was like. I was actually, I went out to dinner with my incredible lawyers last night and who took me on as client at 25 years old. They're amazing. Um, and we were talking about how like some of my idols, I like, don't want to say names, but some of my idols in VC that I like looked up to, like when I was working for Andy now email me and they're like, Hey Catherine, like, what do you think about like this cannabis company? Or like, what do you think <laughs> about this like audio porn business? Um, and it's just so surreal. And I like always screenshot it and I send it to my lawyer and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> so crazy. That is so awesome. You said that you're, um, you're, you're finally making the vice ventures brand a little bit, you know, a little bit more, uh, mature because so far you didn't have to do any of that. It's a, it's a, it's a one woman uh, business. People know you. I mean, you, it's not like you need to advertise. You, you get plenty, you get plenty of emails. Um, how do you, how do you go about that, that new brand? And are you going to add people to your team? What, what is, what is the future of, uh, of, of, of your own brand? Yeah. Um, so my dream is to turn Vice Ventures into a multi-generational asset class. And I think for Fun One, I would love to add somebody to it. Um, I think that'll probably come in the next few weeks. Like I've already interviewed, I'd say probably like 20 plus people. Um, but that first hire, as any founder knows, is extremely important and incredibly difficult to do. Yeah. Um, especially for a fund like Vice Ventures where um i mean we get a lot of attention <laughs> which is great i mean it's awesome but it's that first hire is has to be like a true rock star 
Absolutely. Very cool. Um, yeah. How can, how can people get in touch with you if they want to pitch you? Info at Vice Ventures is the best way for sure. Boom. Done. <laughs> Easy does yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I check that. I am pretty religious about checking my emails. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. If you take a one hour call um, with a sex doll manufacturer, um, you know, pot pot <laughs> potentially, you know, there's there's no risk for you not reading any emails. So um, that is super, super cool. Um, Catherine, I love I love talking with you. I, I absolutely love, um, you know, where, where you're going with all of this. Um, and uh, I I'm looking forward to following uh, you on, on Instagram. Actually, what is your Instagram handle for everyone listening? Catherine Bakery, C-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, because that's where that's where people can get a good idea of um, of who you're who you're into and um, who you're um, who you're investing in. And and I think there's a lot of knowledge uh, for people to gain from this. Um, Catherine, thank you for your time. I know, I know it's like we're going past half an hour, and you just said you're not go you're not taking calls over over half an hour. So here we go. <laughs> I got I got to immediately finish this off. Um, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. We we super appreciate it. It was great having you on. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Vice Venture Investing. What a, what a blast. Thank you all for listening. Please take 30 seconds and give the show a rating. I would so appreciate it. And do swing by patreon.com slash hitting the mark to sign up for free to get advice for your brand or your small creative studio from yours truly. This is the time for community. And if you feel stuck, or even if you just want to listen in, join us. The Hitting and Work theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.